general manager of the Golden State Warriors, Bob Myers, joins us. Bob, what's going on? I don't know, Tom. It's kind of quiet. It's really quiet, quiet in here. It's really quiet in quiet. our draft room. Not not a lot. Not a lot to report. Last year was a lot more excitement with four picks. This is uh, not quite the same. Well, being that you don't have any picks, do you just say, I'm not scouting these guys. <laughs> Why did you come to work? I'm going to go to like Maui or something for a couple weeks. What do oh, I care? Oh, man. You know what? I wish. <laughs> I wish. No, we... Uh, You'd be surprised at the offers you get. I think a lot of teams value our youth and the core. So we had opportunities. We probably we have opportunities right now to, to get in the draft. So you have to scout to know what you're foregoing. Mm-hmm. Should you choose to get in, you can't just sit there. And if a team offers you a top ten pick, you can't just say, well, I don't know what that even means. You have to know what that means. Um, so you do your homework. But realistically, um, you, you, in the draft, to trade a player to get in the draft, you've got to really know who you're getting or have a good idea who you're getting. And in this draft especially, so even if you guys do your own mock drafts, it's hard to say who even goes one at this point. I don't do a mock draft. Yeah, well, you know. I let them do it. Ray does who's good two years <laughs> <No>. later. <laughs> so, so, the, uh, so the the Curry to Detroit for the 56 is Yeah, that, that, that's happen. actually going to go. That's the one thing we are going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be a fair assumption to say people are interested in Harrison Barnes? People are interested in... Clay Thompson. I mean, if I were an opposing GM, yeah. those would be the two names I would look at because they're they're young players and prove they can play in this league. Well, Tom, the young players, a good young player is probably the most highly coveted asset on an NBA team, aside from the superstars that are the top ten players in the NBA. And the reason why is a good young player is obviously productive and most of the time drastically underpaid mm-hmm. because of the rookie scale. So if you're talking about a guy like Harrison or Clay. Um, very good young players and not making that much money. Um, whereas when they sign their second contracts, they'll be paid a lot more. Value diminishes because you're saying, yes, he's a good player, but he's getting paid to be a good player. As a rookie, LeBron James comes into the NBA, and as the number one pick, he's making $5 million. He's probably worth $20 million. Yeah. So good young players on rookie deals have a lot of value. What would your, just a guess here, what do you think LeBron James is worth? Was he getting paid twenty million, fifteen somewhere around there? I mean, it's, he's got to be worth fifty to yeah. hundred million a year for a team, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, I mean, based on everything that he brings in, it's hard. I mean, I, I use as a former agent, you yeah. know. I mean, I used to have these conversations. <laughs> I worked with Arn Tellum, who uh, who had baseball players. Where you see, there's no salary cap, right? So they get to really test the market. You see huge contracts for guys like Pujols, mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez. Um, it'd be very interesting. There's an angel <laughs> fan. Don't yeah, remind yeah, me of the Pujols contract. Right, but you Hamilton. see these two hundred million, three hundred million dollar deals. I think the last time you saw a player, right? If you go back, and you guys are better historians than me, fairly compensated, or at least where there was no cap, was remember when Jordan at the end with the Bulls was making thirty three yep. million a year, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that was a, one moment in time in history of the NBA where a guy had the ability to say, "There's no cap, there's no number. Let's talk about what I'm worth." Could Jordan have gotten 50? Maybe. Yeah. But he got, what was it, 36 or 33? Yeah, I forget like what it was. 33, 34, yeah. right around there. And so yeah. you got to figure, based on something like that, um, some of these guys would be getting a lot of money. Yeah, Re- Reinstorf really squeezed his shoes <laughs> in that last one. Yeah, they got tired of winning, didn't they? Oh, well, let's, let's blow this up. This is boring. I mean, well, He's what, sick what, of winning every year and Jordan getting all the credit. Well, uh, how much in, a, in an open market, no cap, would LeBron James yeah. actually be? You're, yeah. You were an agent before you went over to the dark Ooh, side. Oh, boy. You know what? Um, What's a fair you know number what? for you know, him? It, it would, it would ha- you'd have to really do the analytics, Ray, based on what, what could you sell? How much does he affect ticket prices? Do, do you have a TV deal coming up uh, where you can renegotiate it? I mean, a guy like that coming in to your organization, are you poised to take advantage of it? Are your ticket prices locked in? Um, are you in a market where you can charge? LeBron James could go into a certain market 
and they couldn't charge uh, high numbers because the, the public couldn't support it. But you go into a, a market where people can spend, and there's no telling um, where it would stop as far as the value of a player like that or, or any type of player like that. But it's it's really hard Ray, without knowing all that to say, but I think he makes 20 right now or something like that or close to it. You'd have to figure. Scandalously um, underpaid. Yeah, you'd have to yeah. figure it'd be, it'd be way, way up there. You know? Talking to Bob Myers, GM of the Golden State Warriors, nice enough to join us before the draft gets started in a couple hours here. The sabermetrics, metrics, all this stuff that's new. I'm just curious where you stand on this, how much it influences decisions. Is it? And I always, I'm always fascinated by the. I call them the the nerds versus the jocks. Whereas, <laughs> right, the nerds think the jocks don't want to listen right, to them, and the right, jocks, the people right. that played, are always threatened by these guys. They don't right. want them to know more right. than they know. How could you right. know more than I know? You played right. and just. Well, you know, we have to get a place where everybody just kind of okay. Look, it's it's inf- it's all information, and you want as much information as possible, and then you decide what information is something that is valuable and what information isn't valuable. I mean, where are we in terms of that, and how much do you guys use the metrics, and how much does that influence what you guys do on the court? You know what, Tom? The hottest topic um, right now in decision making in the front offices of the NBA is that question analytics how much mm-hmm. to use them how valuable are they how to use them how to implement them um, being the organization where we are and being close to Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and having an ownership group like we have um, what we're doing is exploring everything as far as all the tools and now you can track for example if you were playing when you were playing in practice we can test how hard are you working are you working beyond your capacity are you working uh, at a level 10 times higher than the next guy does it how good a shape you're in and take that and go and look at you and how you perform in a game how much of the time in 100 percent pie chart are you sprinting how much of the time are you walking how mm-hmm. much time are you jogging coming off injury what's your baseline before the injury you were sprinting 10 percent of the time coming off the injury you're sprinting five percent of the time what's going on tom i mean are, is your ankle body is your back still hurting so there's a lot of ways to use analytics mm-hmm. the thing i think people are not talking about enough is Getting all the information, if we were to put on your desk, here's 30 pages of information, and I walk down to Mark Jackson, I say, Mark, here you go, here's 30 pages. That doesn't mean anything. What means something is, Mark, here's five things that we think you should look at uh, and how it can affect our team. Uh, This guy looks like he's a little bit weathered in the fourth quarter, or um, this player tends to be a lot more effective on the left block than right Mm -hmm. block. Some of, it's, some of it's stuff that Mark may already know or recognize. Me see, yeah, I, I, I know that guy's tired. Yeah. I can see that. Or I know, I know this player's better on that block. That's why I run players for him there. So some of it's already known by, by a, a guy with a basketball mind. The key is, and we're actually creating a position on our coaching staff, instead of in the front office, for an analytics guy. So we can be sitting up there in our offices coming up with all these great ideas on how to use analytics, but if it never gets to our coach, then it never gets to the court. Mm-hmm. But if we have a guy that's actually in the coaches' meetings at practice, then he's disseminating the information, and it's much more likely to be used that way. So I think a lot of teams have it, but if the front office believes in it and the coaching staff doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. John Hollinger meets Lionel Hollinger. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing that means, like, from a, a basketball standpoint, if I were coaching, like, things that would mean the most to me would be, I mean, my team, like you said, does he perform better on the left block, right block, right right wing, left wing? Does he go left on the pick and roll better than right on the pick and roll? Does he shoot better going left or shoot better going right? I mean, those are things. As a player, I don't know that I'd want to know him because I think I know him already and I don't want to be thinking on the offensive end. But on the defensive end of me, like I want to know if a guy runs a pick and roll from the right wing and we go under – 
does he pull up going right, right. or does he like to go all the way to the yeah. rim going right? Yeah. Does he yeah. same thing with the left on the left block? Does he turn right shoulder? Or does he turn left shoulder? Will he pump fake more on yeah. one yeah. block or the other? Yeah. And those are and those are a lot of just scouting report things yeah. that. I don't know how guys, no, no, seriously, guys take him today, but you know, back when I was playing, some guys would look at him and throw him away, yeah. and I was like, I want to know which way the guy goes. Yeah, you know, no, no, you're know right. You, you know where, you know where you're right, especially in the playoffs when you're playing yeah. a team in a series. It's harder. You're right. In regular season, you got a back to back. Oh, one night this guy's going left, and you, you woke up at two in the morning, and you're on the road, and you're, yeah. you can't, you're just playing <laughs> basketball. Um, but in the playoffs, you've got a day off at least between games, and you're playing. Spurs or somebody like that, and you want to know, what does Parker do in the pick and roll? What does Ginobili do? Well, he's better doing this. You have time then to implement a strategy. So then you're really drilling down, and it really matters. Players lock in and say, we have to make him make this decision in the pick and roll because the numbers show he's much less effective doing this. That's where it matters. Yeah. So I agree with you. But, and you know, being in the playoffs as a player, you're, you, it's a totally different focus level heading into a playoff game as a regular season game. So how often can you use it, and how willing are players to receive it and digest the information? Well, I thought, and I don't know if you would agree with me, Ray, I mean, I thought in watching the playoffs that you guys played the pick and roll with Parker and Duncan as well as anybody did. The way you guys played it and the way you guys were able to force them on the perimeter. I mean, you know, Duncan got his 15-foot jump shots, and Parker got his 17-foot jump shots, and those are just things I always tell people. You can't take everything away from players. I mean, they're going to get something. It's just what are you willing to to live with, and I thought you guys did a nice job on that pick and roll. You know, they got into the lane a few times here and there, but for the most part, you know, Duncan had all the 15-foot jump shots he wanted, which yeah. was obviously something you guys were willing to live yeah. with. Yeah. But I mean, you guys kind of stuck with that throughout the course of the playoffs, and I thought did a real nice job on that pick and roll. Yeah, no, I mean, I look, I credit the coaches, and we talk. I mean, even at that point, everybody's involved in, in what what are we going to do to defend it? But but to credit them, they did a great job on us too. Mm-hmm. After the game one yeah. and two, Popovich went back and said, look, how do we take away Thompson? You know, let's make him beat us. Let's blitz Curry. Kawhi Leonard. Right, exactly. <laughs> just put Kawhi on let's, Thompson let's, and said, let's find, sick him. Yeah, exactly. Let's find ways to take them out of what they're doing. And that's why it's so fun in the playoffs. It's so strategic back and forth. Um, but, yeah, we felt like we, we studied it, and, and that's where analytics come in. Because you can believe, let's make Duncan take a 15, 18-footer, but let's see what the numbers say. How effective is he from that position? If you look at the numbers and it says, hey, Duncan's shooting 75%, yeah. maybe you want to change it up if he's shooting that from the free throw line. So you're right. Um, all those things go in, and I think that's what's changed a little. When you were playing, it maybe was, hey, let's go this strategy. Now you say, what do the numbers say? Let's go this strategy, but let's back that up with, with evidence. That's where it's kind yeah. of changing a little you bit. you kidding me? When I was here, we just ran. <laughs> just run. Just go and see what happens. And usually it worked out okay. Not so much on the defensive end, though. Okay. Talking to Bob Myers, team of the Golden State Warriors. Speaking of running, that's the one thing that I would have liked to have seen you guys do more the last four games of yeah. the Spurs series in that – it was pretty obvious what they were doing defensively in the half court. Yeah. And when they set their mind to it, Pop's a great defensive coach. They have some really good strategies and some guys that buy into it. I thought in the last four games that there were too many. And I'm, I'm a proponent of, of, of running every time. I, you don't have to right. shoot, right. but get down the court see and see you what got. you have. And right. if you have something, then go ahead and take it instead of trying to bang your head against a half court defense. Right. And I thought maybe the last four games – there were some opportunities to really push, and injuries could have factored right, into that right. as well. But I thought you, re- you you tried to bang your head against that half-court defense, yeah. and it didn't pan it's out tough. maybe. As, yeah. uh, no, we had that conversation, um, and we, we, I agree. And I think we talked about it. And Mark, Mark, was, Mark was pushing for it too. I think at the time, Curry was on one-and-a-half legs, yeah. and, and Barnes was playing big minutes, and Thompson. I think that game won with huge minutes for Curry and huge minutes for Thompson. Some fatigue set in too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for us – getting getting stops and, and Bogut did a good job getting stops but I think you're right San Antonio is a team that you want to have on their heels a little bit if you can 
They're so smart defensively, and uh, when they do set up, they're very hard to score on, and they're strong, and they're smart, and they're physical. So, yeah, it's one thing as a coach, and you know you played sometimes, yeah. the coach says, run. Yeah. When you get the rebound, you go, I can't. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little wiped. But um, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, pushing the tempo would have been good. And, but for us, stepping away from the playoffs a little bit, having some time to breathe, um, obviously, you know, playing against better players makes you better. Mm-hmm. Playing against better teams makes you better. If you could pick a team to kind of get a tutorial in, in how to play in the playoffs, that that's the one. Yeah. I mean, they're just the, the way they execute is you can execute like them. Um, you can go a long way in this league. But, uh, and this has always been sort of the underlying debate, what happens when the guy who's done it, Mark Jackson, Mm. looks at the analytics and said, I don't care what the numbers say, I know what my eyes tell me, and they are at variance with what your numbers show. Who wins that argument? I think the coach, usually. I mean, I think you hire the coach to make those judgment calls. And um, we haven't had that situation where we've said, uh, we had had one situation where we said, uh, he said, one guy looks a little tired, and uh, we looked at the numbers. You know, you, you, like I said, you can, you, can, you can really drill down on uh, how a player's moving, whether it's the fourth quarter. So we talk, I said, let me look at the numbers. And, he, and in that sense, Mark, Mark was right. And uh, so we looked at him and we said, I wonder, I wonder why that is. Then the player kind of bounced out of it. Um, but if there's ever a, a divide, Ray, if it's ever, hey, the numbers say this and the coach says that, you've got to go with your coach. I mean, that's how we feel as an organization. We're not going to – because then the coach, take it on its head and flip it over and you say – Hey, coach, this is what the numbers say. This is what you got to do. Then he's sitting there going, who's coaching this yeah. team, right? I mean, you guys hired me to coach. Let me coach. So uh, if there's a situation where it was two con- kind of converging point of views, we would tell the coach, I mean, can you imagine telling Harbaugh, yeah. <laughs> run this play. Good luck. It's not happening. Or hey, Popovich. You better be 10 matter. feet away. Right. right, right. <laughs> I mean, and uh, the coaches are paid to make those big decisions, and, um, and, and you know, Oftentimes, if it was me personally, I would mm-hmm. trust the coach's intuition over a number if, if he had a strong conviction for his point of view. If he said, look, I see what you're saying. This is what's right. That's not right. I'd say, all right, that's fine. You know, I, yeah. I would go with it. Talking to Bob Myers, general manager of the Golden State Warriors. We are here at the – hold on, Jen. I got one more, okay? Just one more. Thank you, though. Wow. I know. Who's yelling at you, Brian? Oh, I don't have my headset on, so I'm going to ask one more. It's three ten, and you're snippy already. I just, I wanna, yeah, Bob, get a draft yeah, pick yeah, just right, to calm right, him yeah, down. All right, I'll go buy one right now. What is it? <laughs> I got twenty. Let's see. You got any money? What is it about Mark Jackson that? And I've said I think his biggest strength this year was getting players to believe that what they were doing on the court was important to the to the effort. Like everybody, no matter what your role was, you felt that role was important, and he made you feel like you could get the job done because I never saw him once bring a guy off the court and shred him. I never saw him get in a guy's face. Uh, not that that doesn't work. I mean, we right. see Popovich getting guys' face before, but, but he gives guys that self-esteem to go out there and play and not worry about yep. making a mistake. I mean, wh- wh- how was he able to do that? What is it about his coaching style that got everybody to believe in him? Well, Tom, I think the thing that I would say we were the most impressed with with, with him and his style was this organization for the last couple of years was a place where players would step on the floor and say, you know what? Game was close, 10 minutes to go, and you look around and they look at each other and they'd say, you know, we, we might win this game. You know, we might, a couple bounces, we might win. Mark came in and made the players believe we could win. And, and then now I think he's taken it to a place where we should win. And you know, you played yeah. on teams where you walk into that building, whether you're on the road or at home, and you know, we're going to take care of business tonight. We're going to win this game. And it matters in the last five minutes. And that's where a young team looks at their coach and needs that confidence. And I think Mark 
projected back on the team to say to them, no, 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 we're going to win this game. Don't whatever you've done before, forget it. But if it's a close, this is our game, and for them to believe him and buy into that for this organization and this culture uh, was was unbelievably important. Um, and I think that's what he did for this team, this organization. We go into next season now thinking we belong. We go into next season now with a coach and a team that feels like we're playing a team that's inferior. We're going to win. Um, and so that's, that's I think, um, a testament to him and, and obviously credit to him. See, I, I, I know what exactly what Bob is saying, but I know it from the flip side of the coin because when I was playing for the Clippers, I knew we were going to lose. <laughs> I just knew it. I didn't care what the lead was. I didn't care what the coach said. Like the coach would come, Bob Weiss, and go, you guys are going to lose. You know that, right? And I go, absolutely. <laughs> yes. no, the there is no doubt in my mind we're going to lose. No, in fact, you knew you could beat any inferior team. The problem is the inferior teams were in the Missouri Valley. <laughs> no, no, no. The inferior, the, inferior, the inferior teams were in practice. We played scrimmages. Yeah. I'm like, we have a shot. <laughs> And we can win this one. Oh, Yay! We Orange, covered. Orange Julius is for everybody. <laughs> hey, Bob, oh, thanks man. a lot, man. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate, appreciate it. Thanks time. for having me on. Enjoy the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go get some sun. Yeah. Bob Take Myers, care, general manager of the Golden State Warriors.